Hello and welcome to this IBR Extra, a podcast from the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. In the second edition of our program, which aired on the second weekend of January 2020, we previewed the 2020 Iowa Legislative Session by talking with two individuals from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Nicole Crane is Executive Vice President of the group. J.D. Davis is Vice President for Public Policy. We spoke in their offices in downtown Des Moines just a few weeks before the 2020 Iowa Legislative Session began. What is important about an organization like this, paying very close attention to what happens on Capitol Hill, literally up the street, and playing a role in the conversation about what measures may become law? Well, ABI is a statewide organization. We represent businesses in all industries and about 330,000 employees across the state of Iowa. And as you're looking at businesses, you know, the people in those businesses every day are, are running their operations. They need to make sure that um, the plants that they, if they're manufacturing, that the plants that they work in are safe, that those employees are safe. They've got to make sure that they can get their product out the door. They can't be busy worrying about what the legislature is doing day in, day out. And that's why we have the ABI public policy team of JD and Brad that will be up at the Capitol day in and day out, watching for those issues and, and alerting members to concerns or also positive pieces of legislation that are being introduced that affect the business community. So then when those uh, members have the opportunity to talk with their legislators when they're back in the district, they can take that opportunity and educate them about this is how this proposal will affect my business, will affect uh, my employees and the, and the people in our community and why they're important. So we really see this uh, as an opportunity to uh, you know, be the eyes and ears for the business community and also to educate legislators about those main issues because we know businesses and, and the people that run those businesses are busy. Uh, they don't have the time to spend all day, every day in Des Moines for 100 plus days every year. You've done this kind of work, speaking with lawmakers, advocating as appropriate. This is going to be your first session advocating for the business community, as Nicole just said. What potentially is different when you are on the Hill talking to a lawmaker, representing an entity like this as opposed to some other group that has an interest in what happens? At the Association of Business and Industry, we have a broad set of interests. Uh, uh, the number of committees you might be involved with, the, the number of legislators that will be touching issues that are important to ABI. The association probably has greater breadth than any other business association or other membership organization at the Capitol. And because of that, uh, you have to be a jack of all trades on the issues coming from my prior position, uh, it would be a narrow deep, and here we have to make sure that uh, we can have informed conversations uh, with members that would have very differing uh, interests they're trying to take care of at the Capitol. Uh, so that's what I would think is the major difference. What is it that people don't understand about the kind of work that you do? So for example, you have to register as a lobbyist, and that's a term that is hypercharged in political debate. When you tell people that you work for the public policy team and work with lawmakers, what do they not understand about your job? Well, if you're talking to a legislator, they do understand because they have businesses back home. And so the issues that we bring to legislators uh, at the Capitol and advocating at the Capitol are quite often echoes of what they hear in their coffee shops back home. Uh, and our job is to try to get those conversations organized and put a solution around the problems that are being brought to folks both in the coffee houses and in the capital. Uh, so that's, that's really how we, we work on that area. 
but to a, just a member of the general public mm -hmm. that you meet and they ask you what you do. What are they most likely to not understand? Because we have a stereotype of somebody who has the moniker lobbyist and they've got fistfuls of cash coming out their back pocket or all of these incorrect stereotypes right. about things. Well, I will tell an anecdote. and. Uh, going to a family reunion for the first time in 15 years. Uh, we were probably 10 minutes away from arriving and my mother turned around in the back seat and said to me, now just what are you gonna tell everybody you do when they ask? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, yes, it is a hypercharged word, uh, but, uh, but for the general public, it's no different than the conversations that they have with friends and family uh, talking about issues. Really, you're trying to express the viewpoint of the membership and in the case of uh, the Association of Business and Industry, uh, we're really talking about making the business of business better. Those are things that touch everybody in all walks of life. Everybody brings a paycheck home. Families need to be taken care of that way. So when we're talking about issues at the Capitol, when I'm talking to people that aren't familiar with exactly what the role of lobbying is, I just really try to uh, tell folks that we're really trying to help people solve problems. Uh, and that we try to put the input of the organization in so that uh, they're represented well uh, and can make, and then that policymakers then can make conclusions that will improve the business climate in Iowa. And Nicole, it's not a matter of advocating for business at the expense of employees. Correct. If you talk to any employer in the state of Iowa, um, you know, ABI's priority for many years has been workforce. And I think as, as we talk to em employers as we're traveling across the state, whether it's in a large city or a small town, employees are the number one asset. And they really see them as their team members. They work hand in hand together. Um, in a lot of cases, you have employees who have been working for a company for, for decades, and they are like family. Uh, you have, uh, you know, we could spend all day talking about what employers and employees uh, do statewide together. Um, you hear stories all the time about a company that will t send their 25-year uh, employees on a trip or um, an annual Christmas party or holiday party that they have. And um, just, I think that these employers are not just employers. They're not just running a business. They're part of the community. They have a vested interest in the individuals that are part of their organization. They have a vested interest in making sure that the, the schools are high quality, that uh, there's quality of life initiatives for the people that um, are part of their team to, to interact with. And it's not employee versus employer. It really is a joint effort to, to make Iowa better. I mean, that's the goal of everyone, is to make Iowa a better place to live and work. You were one of those spending day, night, long night mm -hmm. on Capitol Hill during the last session. What are some things that Iowans should know that their legislature passed now new policy in the state as a result of some of the initiatives that this organization and others advocated? We talked about workforce and how that was an ABI priority, and, and it is again in 2020. But the Future Ready Iowa initiative that the governor, Governor Reynolds, has really talked a lot about, I think, is a, a key piece of legislation that will help upskill Iowa's workforce. There's direct dollars to those individuals that are going to community college, or maybe those individuals who have completed part of their education, but not all of it, and they want to go back to college. Um, there are opportunities and dollars available for them. There's also opportunities for employers to work with nonprofit organizations for the Employer Innovation Fund uh, to come up with unique proposals for wraparound services to help upskill employees. So I think that's a, a, a key 
initiative that we were very supportive of. We are planning to support that again this year, making sure that that appropriation continues. I think Empower Rural Iowa is another initiative last year that was a success of the organization and something that we supported and look forward to the continued conversations on that in 2020. Those are big, broad things, but it's not just the big and broad things. I mean, you folks advocated for a change in notary public laws, which don't sound terribly sexy, but are vital to a business's operation. Right, especially as you look the economy, how it works now. You know, we're not all located in the time, same time zone. Uh, we have multinational corporations that need to get signatures. Uh, maybe we're trying to recruit new workers to Iowa and they want to close on a mortgage. Well, if we make that more efficient to, to businesses and to employees, it, it makes things better for everyone. So that's a that's a kind of a little bit of a wonky issue. Um, but one that is important, and I think as you look at ABI, as JD mentioned, you know you have to be the jack of all trades. You have to know issues on everything from drug testing to notary to DNR regulations. So ABI registers on about three to 400 bills every single year, and then tracks internally another 100 uh, pieces of legislation. So. We really do try to make sure that uh, we're watching out for the members, whether they have five employees or whether they have 5,000 employees, and trying to understand the membership and how we can provide a benefit to them and a service to them throughout the uh, legislative session and throughout the year. So, J.D., let's talk about 2020, the legislature gaveling into session in a short period of time. What are you expecting out of this session, and what are some things that your team has been working on to be ready to either advocate for or watch to see how it progresses? All about workforce all the time. Uh, there will be efforts again to try to figure out how to attract and retain uh, workers and that now is getting very granular. Uh, so where we've had big pushes to try to figure out how to do that, now we're finding, okay, uh, in this part of the state, we have experienced a problem with child care. People want to work, but it's expensive and it's rare to get child care. How do we solve that? So there are working groups and conversations ongoing on that. Uh, you have anecdotal evidence and real evidence of problems with uh, housing for workers. And this is not just housing for uh, people that might be joining the second shift line at a manufacturer, but these are also executives that may be drawn to a, uh, a smaller town and can't find a home that they're comfortable living in uh, from where they've relocated from. Uh, that's an exact example that really happened. I know of a, of a person that uh, turned a job down when they couldn't find a home. Uh, so uh, we'll be working on those types of issues. Uh, again, legislators are very interested in cracking this nut. We're right there with them. We've been trying to lead some of the conversation. Uh, because our members are telling us they could be more successful if they had more people. It's a wonderful problem to be working on uh, because it's not fighting against uh, a negative. It's trying to make us all more successful. This is a bit of an ignorant question on my part, but we'll just talk about the child care issue. Mm -hmm. So you identify an issue, and it's something that your members say mm -hmm. is an issue. What can the legislature do to affect change? What are some possibilities? Obviously, one of the things they've identified is that it's expensive. There's quite a hurdle to decide whether or not you're going to send the second uh, wage earner out of the home uh, because uh, that then creates child care need and you have to have the kind of earning uh, in order to afford it. Uh, so they're looking at tax policy and figuring out if uh, the state needs to get out of the way 
uh, of some of these people that would like to get back into the workforce and uh, and provide them with crediting uh, so that the the cost is not as great to the, to the cost that the state puts on those folks uh, if they can do anything about that. Or the net cost if it's a credit right. that you can use on your taxes you may have to pay it out but then you get right. it back later but from the state. But it suddenly made sense mm -hmm. to join the workforce. Sure. And so that's, that's, a, that's a case there and whether or not that can be done in a way that is effective is something that people will be spending the next hundred days you know, uh, asking fiscal analysts to tell them you know what the impact would be what we could expect if certain policies were put into place will be a part of all those conversations finding people that want to do daycare you know are there inducements for for doing that uh, those are the ways that you can approach it it's uh, it's a supply and demand issue you can get busy on the demand side you can get busy on the supply side you have the tools that are available to the state, which typically are how do you impact the individual that's looking for the job or how do you impact the person that might be providing the child care services. Uh, so that's how they'll approach those issues. How much of what you do is reacting? I mean, it is obvious that you need to talk to your members and within the team develop a set of priorities that are attainable, that are realistic, that matter to people. That's the proactive side of it. Mm -hmm. How much of what you do is reactive where all of a sudden you grab your coat in the middle of winter and up the hill you go? If you're not already there, camped out all day, I should say. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So you always put together a plan of, of how you're going to go uh, you know, prosecute a session. Uh, and there will always be things that were not anticipated. There's a period of time every day where it gets very quiet at the Capitol. It's when every lobbyist is reading all the bills that have been introduced overnight. And that's when you're looking to see if you have to be reactive to things that are coming. Uh, and reactive does, it's not a negative. I mean, there are times reactive means seeing an opportunity. It can be that way. So suddenly you found out that so-and-so is working on something that matches the association priorities and you had no idea. They had not come to you. You had not uh, had the conversation with the prior. So reaction is, is not necessarily, uh, we've got to go stop something. Uh, it can be, here's a place where we can go help. So we'll, we'll, we always watch for the opportunities. Those are pleasant surprises. But there are times, and I would say it's, it's a small percentage of the time, where people probably introduce things that they were either unaware or discounted the impact that it would have on business organizations. And then that's just our job to go ahead and express that. I think people, you know, you think, oh, my legislator is very busy. I don't want to email them. I don't want to bother them. You know, for the most part, most legislation that goes through is not very contentious. Legislators don't receive a lot of emails on those issues. I think we can't stress enough the importance of contacting your legislator, whether you're a general public or a business owner, and also keeping them engaged and letting them know what's important to you as their constituent because they want to hear from their constituents. J.D. and Brad are up at the Capitol every day talking about business issues. Um, they have a great relationship with the legislators, but it's always important for those individuals who are back home in the district to share their priorities with their legislator because that's really how legislation gets pushed forward and how it gets to the, to the governor's desk and uh, ultimately signed and put into law. So I think that's something that we at ABI also encourage our members all the time is to reach out to their legislator, even if it's on something small, um, to let them know if they support it or if they don't support it. And invite legislators to your place of business. Um, if they don't understand what's happening and how your operation works, I think that's really critical. Um, as JD mentioned, legislators for the most part understand business. They understand the workforce needs, but they might not understand 
that you make this type of uh, product and what it does and what it means to the community. And I think every chance that uh, a business person or individual has to explain their issues is, is a great opportunity to take. And legislators love to do those visits. Nicole Crane is Executive Vice President of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. J.D. Davis is ABI's Vice President for Public Policy. We spoke in their offices in Des Moines in December 2019, just a few weeks before the 2020 Iowa Legislative Session got underway. And, of course, the Iowa Association of Business and Industry is a supporter of the Iowa Business Report radio program and podcast. You can learn more about them online at iowaabi.org. The Iowa Business Report airs weekly on dozens of radio stations across the state of Iowa, and the podcast posted right here every week along with additional IBR extras. I'm Jeff Stein for the Iowa Business Report. 